I like things to be interesting. So to me, me using all these different textures creates a visual story. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. When they see you get glued out to L.A., you're on that West Coast. Going out to your sold-out show at Louise de Jesus Gallery. Or they see Samuel L. Jackson give you your art as an anniversary gift to his wife. What they don't see, what they never see, he never tell you about, is the 30 years of hard work that it took to get you there. Our guest today, Evita Tizano, is going to tell us all about the work of it. She's going to come a long way from being a chef selling art all over the world and you know me i want to know how she does it how she make those signature pieces all those beautiful textures how she chooses the colors you know all that nitty-gritty art making stuff you know what i'm saying i get hyped about but then i want to know why what's the inspiration was it an angel in a dream or growing up in port arthur texas you know that small town life is something else <laughs> you know i want to get all that good stuff for you so we can get hyped up go back to the studio get to making some noise check out the website studionoisepodcast.com i'll be adding transcripts from the episodes as we go along uh become a patron support the show it'll help you know take care of some of this stuff like that shout out to our very first patron mr michael ash my man 20 grand what's up baby i appreciate you man always down support your boy i appreciate you it's a one-man show so you know i'm making changes and adding stuff as we go along you know it's gonna get where we need to go so don't worry about that part Oh, tell me what you think about the new artwork, though. I started doing these, um, you know, funky, fresh, you know, real colorful stuff um, for the artwork. Go ahead, check it out at Studio Noise Podcast on IG. Just look at it. Tell me what you think. I think it's funky. I, it's fresh. I'm going to keep going with it. And since you're over there, you might as well go ahead. DM2 Podcast Lovers, tell them you found an awesome black art podcast today on the show after the break. We coming back with Evita Tizano. It's the noise, baby. This is Jeremiah Ojo, founder of Ile Kunwa, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Yes, it's Studio Noise. Your boy Jay Barber's back with you, and this time get to talk to the amazing, amazing, long time coming this conversation, Miss Avita Tizino, all the way from Texas. How you doing? Hey, it's actually Tizano. Tizano. Oh, my fault. Yes, yes. Right. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, you know, we want to make sure we get your name right. Evita, if you're listening to this podcast, Evita will be shortly on her way back to Los Angeles where she's at the Louis Day Jesus Gallery. Her show, Better Days, sold out show <laughs> over there. You going to close it down yes. and wrap it up? Yeah. So good luck with that. You know, congratulations and and with all the success that you've been having over there and this new level of work that you have. Let me ask you this: uh, right here in this moment, when you're about to load up, go on the plane to your sold out show in L.A., driving all over, what do you feel like? What do you? What does it make you think about um, when you think about the journey that you've been on and getting to this point and this kind of success that you're having? Well, right now I feel like I'm floating. I'm on I'm on a cloud because it's been so long for me to get to this point. I've been working for approximately about 20 plus years to get to this point. And now since it's happening, it happened so quickly. Uh I just I feel like I'm dreaming. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm dreaming. It feels unreal. And you know I I just I just have to I have to preface this that I remember when uh Louise contacted me back in November of last year. Uh he contacted me from uh Instagram, he sent me an email and he asked me to um he asked me to to, to, to if he could speak to me about my work and 
I got all excited because, of course, you know, I did. I looked at his gallery before I answered the uh, answered the email, and then once I I saw the uh, the magnitude of his gallery, I mean, I was skipping and hopping in my studio. I was so excited. I said, "Wow, this is a really nice gallery in LA," and that was on my bucket list. Uh, that was on my goal list to get into a gallery on the East Coast. I mean, on the West Coast. Right. So I was so excited. And first he asked me for just, you know, four pieces. And we was going to have a little small, you know, showing of my work. And then it turned into a solo show over the next couple of months. And I had to, like the old people say, make haste while the sun is shining. <laughs> I had to get some work together because he wanted all large-scale pieces. And I had never worked that that big before. So wait, I, what size what size was he asking for? Uh, he said as big as I wanted. I mean, as big <laughs> as I could. Yeah. As big as I was comfortable with. Right. So I've worked, I worked uh, on 30 by 40 before. And uh, so I did some pieces that size. But uh, and it was so funny, Jamal, that I had previously bought a whole bunch of uh, canvases from uh, an artist, and they were four. They were four by four, forty-eight by forty-eight. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with these, but it was such a good deal. I'm just going to buy it. So I bought about maybe fifteen. Oh wow! And then I told him, I said, Well, you know, I have some canvases in my studio. I said, Well, I could I could work on those, and I had never. I had never worked on canvas before, never collaged on canvas. And he said, okay. He said, uh, can you do a couple of pieces on canvas? And then, uh, you know, a couple of pieces on board? I said, yeah. Then he, then he called me back and he asked for eight. And then he asked, he said, can, how many can you do for a solo show? And I, I almost fell out. <laughs> I said, you're giving me a solo show in, in L.A.? And I, I mean, I did. I, I didn't sleep for the the next four months. I, I can't even remember sleeping. Wow. So you I know made, so I, I, you know made I all slept. The, so you made all the new yeah. work in the four months? From November and a truck came to get the work in February. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good pace yeah. right there. Like what was it, 14 yeah. pieces you said? 14 pieces. Well, the, 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 uh, I did a series, uh, within this, within this, um, Within the work, it was called "I Am uh, I Am a Black Man," and those pieces were fifteen by twenty. It was six of those, so six were small, but the rest of them were large. With thirty by forty and forty-eight by forty-eight. So, how much did you have to adjust your process to be to work that size? Well, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. Like okay, you, okay, okay. So, in your process when you're working, and when I look at your work. And I almost it makes me really think about uh, two things. One, quilting, right? The way you're taking mm. all these different fabrics and patterns in, in different, well, it's not fabrics. These are patterns that you're making, but you're putting it mm -hmm. together, piecing it together. And it mm -hmm. makes me think of Jacob Lawrence, right? The way that you handle the figures, like you basically take it down to uh, the essence of it, right? The simplicity of shapes. Um, mm -hmm. And you fill it with texture and, and color and all the other things. Um, mm -hmm. in, in your process, when you're working, how did you come to that revelation in that method of working? It came really organically, uh, to, to be honest. So first, first, when I first started doing art, I was painting. And then I had a dream that an angel came to my door and gave me a book of sketches and said, if you would change your style, you would be successful. Oh and wow! <laughs> in, yes, I mean seriously. Yeah, it, that's a dream right there. <laughs> because the dream, yeah. the the work, the work was totally different. Because I was doing, I was painting impressionism, mm. and this was totally different than anything that I had done. So I started experimenting with these sketches. I started drawing, and uh, I mean, this book kind of laid out on how I I should do it in my dream. I, I went through this book and it kind of told me what to do. It had all these textures and it was kind of, uh, I would say cubist kind of feeling. Mm. And it had references in this book. I mean, I'm serious. It was a very detailed dream. And I know it came from God. 
it had a dream to reference Picasso, reference Romare Bearden, reference Elizabeth Catlett. It had all these references in there. So I started to study. And this is what came about. That's, a, that's wild. So, and what year was this? Because yeah, uh, I think it the earliest a, work I remember of you is um is this poster um for the jazz festival. Um, yes. And this so, was 99. So, so yes, was it like so that far that, back? It was 1998 when I had the dream. Oh, wow. It was 1998. And I started doing the work that year. And I started showing it to people. I said, do you think that this is pretty good? And I was just really skeptical because I've never done anything like that before. And because all the work was kind of conceptual, uh, I just, you know, pulled out drawings out of, I mean, sketches out of my head before I had to have reference material. But this time I was just really, you know, it was really conceptual. And um, I, I, Frank Frazier called me and said, this guy in New Orleans is looking for an artist for his festival, you know, for the poster. And he said, why don't you submit something? So I said, okay. So I submitted this piece and he went crazy over it. And I was the first female to do the poster for Congo Square. Nice. Yeah, all the time it had males, but I was the first female. Nice. And that year I got that poster and I also got the poster for Essence. Oh, wow. Yeah. This was after the dream. Nice. Mm -hmm. And this was after the dream. So it was an incredible year. What do you think the foundation of the practice has been? Like, in was it making the materials? Was it shifting the design? Like, what what was the major change that you had to wrestle with? Uh, Well, when I first started out, I I used. paper that was already uh, machinely done or some of the papers were handmade paper from different co- parts of the country and all those different things. But I start when I shifted to painting my own paper, what happened? I took printmaking. Mm, well, yeah, I took you know, printmaking. I like to hear that. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was so funny. I, I ran into some artists. I can't remember where I was. I can't really... I didn't remember how I learned about Brookhaven College in, in, in Dallas. But somebody told me, he said, you need, to, you need to go to Brookhaven because if you want to do, you know, some printmaking, I just needed a shift. I think I needed a shift. This was around 2007. Hmm. And I took, uh, I went and I took printmaking and it kind of opened my eyes. I said, oh my gosh, I could print my own papers. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, they, that's how they make all those craft papers. Exactly. And I said, it just kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, I started my prints that were misprinted and stuff. I started to cut them up and use them in my collage. And I said, oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, this is totally shit. So, you know, now I use very, very little commercial made paper. Uh, but most of, uh, I hand, you know, I hand stamp, I monoprint, I do all kinds of different other things to the paper to get the effect that I need. So, you know, I, I don't buy, really don't buy paper anymore. What, what, uh, what mean, kind of paper are th- is this that you use? Well, I use, I use Stonehenge okay. and then I use basic Strathmore because when I collage on canvas, uh, uh, Stonehenge is a little bit too thick, right? For uh, for the because I like I like a little I want it to look like a painting, right? And so uh, Strathmore still has a tooth, and I mean it's not a very expensive paper, but it's you know acid free. It has a good tooth, right? It has cotton in it, so I use uh, Strathmore when I do it on cam- canvas because it just gives me a people when the people see it far off. They're thinking that it's a painting, not a collage. Right, right. Yeah, and it doesn't have a lot of, uh, uh, I guess maybe texture. The 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 Stonehenge is a little thicker, so when I do under glass, I usually use Stonehenge. And so I, I I collage on both. I mean, I I paint on both papers, but I really like doing the thinner paper. So just just my preference. And so what what is the breakdown of the different processes you're using to make all these different textures? 
okay, so I I use a jelly a a jelly a jelly print. I mean a gel a gel uh plate. I do gel printing. That's one, and that's mono printing. Yeah. I use uh, this is a cheap. This is a poor man's jelly print, but <laughs> I get better. I get better better effect. Uh, the wax paper. Has oh yeah. Oh yeah. Effect. Oh no. Nah, yeah. I, yeah. That's what I use. I for love, that's what I use. Oh yeah. Gosh. You make a little stencils out of it paper. and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no. If you take wax paper and you put it on a surface, and then you take paint and you just water it down and you just uh just smear it on it, it gives a lot of a, a little uh a, uh a resist. And so when you put paper on top of it, you get all of this amazing different effects on the paper. Nice. So I use that a lot just for hair. Uh, I use that a lot for my hair because it, you can, you get all of this reticulation and right, yeah, all, yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. That's yeah. one of my favorites. I also use um, glass and you get these dendrites. So you put uh, paint and you smudge glass with glass. And then when you, uh, you do like a glass sandwich, paint in the middle, and then you have one glass, you know, a glass sandwich, one on each side. Then when you pull it apart, you put the paper on on either one of the glass, and then it prints that. Mm. So you get all of this. This it looks like dendrites. This almost like trees, uh, roots. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I do that. I use stamping. Is this all uh, water based or is it oil based? Uh, I use all water based. Okay. I use acrylic. Yeah. I use uh, gouache. I use watercolor. I love it. I use uh, ink, uh, alcohol inks. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. And I also, sometimes I draw my faces. So I use uh, lumographic pens. I love lumographic pens. So I do, I use everything that's almost in my studio. Almost everything. I have every, almost every media. Now, I don't use oil because uh, when I seal it on canvas, I use, uh, uh, you know, a varnish, a Liquitex varnish, uh, water-based varnish. So that doesn't do well. So I don't use uh, any oil, anything oil-based. No, that's awesome, yo. And and Mm -hmm. I I hope people, (laughs) hope people listening like this kind of stuff. That's kind of detail that I like when I know about the technique. But yeah, Yeah. I do all of this crazy, this craziness. You know, I'm like a mad scientist in my studio. Oh, I love it, Joe. That's that's Mm -hmm. the fun stuff. So, do you Mm -hmm. do you have periods where you're just making just the papers without any idea how you're going to use them, or are you more specific, or you know, oh, I need some hair, I want a little red texture for this and then you make it like which way do you go uh it just depends on how i'm feeling so some sometimes i do papers to know like i said i'm i have to do skin colors so i do a whole i spend a whole day just doing various colors of skin colors because you know some sometimes my paper my people are blue and right you know they're brown they're dark brown so i do all of these different varieties uh, and then I do, just do hair one day. Or sometimes I, I know I have to do clothing and I just do clothing. I just do different patterns and, and that. And I don't have any idea on what I'm going to use them for. I just do, I just experiment. Right. Yeah, but you can sound yeah. like you have like a general sense of, all right, I'm going to use this for skin. So yeah. you do like a certain thing that you do for skin. Like, do you know that, uh, something might be too textured for skin or like it should yeah. be used for like so I something do washes. else. Okay. Yeah. I do like, I do like washes. I do watercolor washes. Uh, uh, I, I, sometimes I use jelly mono printing and I just do, uh, just, a just one color on the jelly print and use that for skin. It just depends. Yeah. Cause I like texture. Right. So, you know, and if, if I'm doing, uh, like several figures, I don't like all the skin to look alike. Right. I want different textures in the skin. Not a whole lot. But, you know, and I might use different colors on top of each other to get uh, a contrast in the skin. So I do all that. You know, the, I have to wait for the paper to dry, and then I, I'll print on top of it. Yeah. Nah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And so that, that, Yeah, that so leads- it's a whole lot of different experiments that I do. Nah, that leads me into into thinking about 
um, how you're planning these out, like how much of it is planned and how much of it is kind of just an intuitive sense of because you have a like a, a certain shape that you're using for your faces. Right. Because you can see mm-hmm. how they're all kind of related uh, in certain forms that you use for the dresses. Like, do you do mm-hmm. you plan out and sketch the entire piece or is it just like um, this girl is going to have a purple dress on? And you know, and holding like something in her hand, oh, you know what I mean. All my, all my, all my uh, pieces are planned. Okay. I sketch every day, every single day. I devote at least an hour to an hour and a half on sketching. I have, I have, I know I have about maybe a thousand sketches. Uh, sometimes I spend a week and I just don't do anything else but sketch, creating ideas, working on different series. Uh, and I sketch on graph paper. I, I I read something some somewhere that Romare Bearden sketched on graph paper, and he's my he's my hero. So I just started sketching on graph paper, and to me, it gives me a better uh, balance, and and it keeps my 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 work in line, you know, with the lines. So I use sketch paper. I mean graph paper. So I have I have bins of sketches, bins. Nice. A lot. Yeah. So you never, so you never I run plan, out of ideas. Yeah. yeah. I never run out of ideas. Never, never. Because I sketch every single day, every single day. And are these sketches yeah. in, in just black and white, or are you use, or are you starting They're to black, think about yeah. color early on? I know because I like the intuitiveness of my work. Mm. So once I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm old school. So I, I take the sketch and then I. Uh, I, I reduce it down and then I project it. I have an old, old projector that somebody came to my studio when back in the nineties and handed me this big, huge uh, <laughs> monstrosity of a, of an opaque projector. And I, I mean, it works. Why should I get rid of it? Yeah, that's true. Yo. So <laughs> yeah. So I use this big, I mean, it's huge. It's like, it's huge. And I use that. I project it on whatever matrix that I'm going to use. Whatever surface I'm going to use, I'm, I, I project it on there. And then it speaks to me. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it then it tells me, okay, the characters start to say, I want a purple dress. Or I want a mm-hmm. red dress or whatever. That's how I come about. I have no plan until it gets on the surface that I'm going to use. And then it starts to tell me, how to do it i like that and you can't mm-hmm. tr- you can't trust an artist that don't talk to his work <laughs> <Because, laughs> that's, that's for sure <laughs> oh well definitely with that i think one one thing yeah. that i always love and i'm gonna ask you about this is not just your sense of color but also the sense of detail in within the color that you put into it so you know you'll have like a piece i can't think of a name of it right off but you have a piece where it's a woman in a dress, but she's wearing these bright red textured glasses, right? So you you either really right. texture like the earrings or the or the eyeglass rims or the necklace or the clothing. Like, so tell me where you where you getting that sense of color, or is it all intuitive? Well, I'm a graphic designer. You know, back in the day, I graduated when there was no computers. So everything was done by hand. And, and, you know, one of the things that we had to take was color theory. And so I think I, I pulled from that class and learning that uh, sense of color and also texture. Because I know we had to put things up against, because everything was cut and paste then. So we had to do that by hand. So I think that's from my old graphic design days. That's when I got it, mm-hmm. uh, got the sense of texture. But I, I like things. I like things to be interesting. So to me, me using all these different textures creates a visual story. And so I like all the textures because every every part of the piece kind of speaks to you. The glasses talk about you know they have a story. The earrings have a story. Because it has all of these different nuances in it. So, you know, not just a plain color or a plain flat color, but it has all of these different textures and all of these different histories. 
So that's why I like to do it. Yeah, I love I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think it does mm-hmm. add so many layers to your work because it's not just mm-hmm. um, crisp and clean and finished like it's lived in. And, you know, anybody that's, uh, you know, you're from Texas, you're from a small town in Texas, right? Yeah, from Port Arthur. Yeah, Port Arthur. So I'm I'm from Lutheran, North Carolina. And if you ever, mm-hmm. anybody that's grown up in small town South know, uh, it's a lot of stories going on. Like everything has a story. Like that, the old church, we used to use the old church. That's why they call it Old Church Road. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, exactly. like everything has a story and everything has a history. And I think that texture brings in that sense of history. Like it's not just some newfangled thing you just picked up off the street. Like it was, it was, it was touched. You know, I think that's a good word. It was touched by somebody. Yes. And you know, one of the things I like to do, and I, I like to walk in, in old, you know, like maybe warehouse districts or, or where there's abandoned buildings because they have all of these little rusty little trinkets you could fall on, find on the ground, people that people discard. And I like all the different patterns and stuff. So I pick those up and I try to borrow from those and to, to reproduce them in my papers. So I'm always looking for, you know, uh, a rusty piece of tin or an old battered piece of wood. So I'm take that, that'd be my reference material. And I take that back and I try to reproduce that as well. Yeah, that's awesome, young. So, mm-hmm. so we're getting, we're going to move now into talking about subject matter a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you get all of these stories from? Because all your work seems to have like just kind of these glimpses of a narrative, right? Of, of people um, sitting on a porch or playing banjo or a girl in an Easter dress. It's like all these, all these different subtle stories that you're telling. Where, where do you get these stories from? What inspires them? Family, family. Mm. That's it. Growing up in a small town, uh, Port Arthur, Texas, I was surrounded by family, uh, surrounded by kinfolk uh, and church. And all of these stories come from, you know, family. So I just, you know, I remember uh, one of the pieces I did a long time ago. uh, It's called Miss Pearl. And Miss Pearl was uh, a extension of the family. She was not really a relative, but she uh, wore her little pearls because she was called Miss Pearl. And she was just a, a, a little simple lady. So I did her. I had another piece called Miss Divine. She was my next door neighbor. And I did a piece called A Lucille. And she was my my aunt, my aunt's my great aunt, I think my great aunt, I mean, I can't remember. She, yeah, she was my great aunt. And she was so fascinating to me because she would wear her pearls to mow the lawn. <laughs> and she was, an, she was wow. an amazing lady. She was an amazing lady. She would dress up. I mean, she would have pearl earrings and pearls <laughs> and she would be mowing the lawn. And so things like that, I remember as a child, uh, and I remember playing uh, Simon Says and Ring Around the Rosie and one, three, one, two, three, Red Light in the backyard. So all of these little experiences that I had as a child, I bring that into my work. Yeah, and I, I, I can feel that. I can feel that. Lucille is a, is yeah. a good name for a great aunt, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what the old folks' days, right there. I love it. Yeah, that's a, that's an old one. <laughs> that's an old. One. Yeah. This is Sean Rucker, your boy Ruck from Detroit. You listen to the Studio Noise podcast. Keep listening to the noise for all the best in black art. And so all these stories, like, were you, were, were you collecting them as a child? Like, did you do like a lot of writing? Were you being creative and making stuff like back then? Well, as a child, I, I used to just do a lot of stuff. Um, I always wanted to be an artist. So I told my, 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 my family long time ago as a child, when I was little that I wanted to be an artist. So, um, 
I guess mentally I collected those stories. I'm a, you know, I, I guess I'm a writer. I'm a writer too because I write poetry. I don't know if you could, you you'll go back into my feed a long, long time ago. I did a I, you'll see a poem that I wrote. It was called My Black Man, and it's a it's a really silly poem that I wrote in in high school. But I did write, and I I wrote some I guess um, journaled I would say about some stories of my family. But most of the things are in my uh, my selected memory mm. that I have kept uh, into my adult life. Right. Uh, I didn't write a lot of different stories behind. You know, I just remember things that my grandmother would tell me and I experienced as a child. And then these things just come out when I'm drawing. Oh, and while I'm sketching, I'll say, oh, I remember this lady. Mm, right. Oh, I remember this experience. And I, I jot it down in my margins. And then I start to sketch out that experience. One of the pieces at the, the gallery uh, mm-hmm. in L.A. that I looked and really liked was called Shotgun Boogie. Um, yes. what's, the, what's the story behind that piece? So in my, in my, ta- in my town, there used to be a street called 7th Street. And they used to have all of these shotgun houses. And I remember as a, as a child one time uh, that they were, uh, we used to have these big boom boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, those big boom boxes people used to carry on their shoulders. And I remember that somebody, that there was a group of kids out in the front yard, I mean, out in the front of the house, and they were dancing. And I just remembered that as a child. And I said, okay. When I when I started to draft that piece, I said, I remember this uh, experience and I want to recreate it. And I remember that it was it was a distressed part of town, but still these people were happy because they had their music. They had their dancing and they enjoyed life. They might have not had much, but they had the joy of this experience. And so that's what shotgun boogie means. You're dancing, you're boogieing in front of these shotgun houses and you're enjoying the moment. You don't have another care in the world. You might not have money to pay your bills for tomorrow, but you have this moment. You have this this time, you have this music, you have you have the sense of boogieness in you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yo do you do you have a piece that you think about that um that was kind of the perfect piece that came to you like because it sounds I like i just asked that because it sounds like that that process of um it's all in the practice right like your memory yeah and then in the making is all like tied together like well name me one piece that you had that was that you felt like was just inspired, like out of nowhere. Hmm. Okay, so I did this piece a while ago. It's called The Visitation. And uh, it was of a woman and she was kind of dressed in Victorian garb and she was feeding the birds. And I remember uh, I went through uh, a, a painful period in my life and I would go to the park and I would just walk and the birds would come and I would feed the birds. And I pulled from that experience. Uh, I wanted to uh, narrate the experience that I was feeling at the time. And the story was that I, um, I would, this woman in, in all her sadness, she would go to the birds. I mean, she would go and feed the birds and the birds would come and bring her joy. Mm. They would come and visit her and bring her peace. And they, they, in her, in her time of loneliness, her bird, the birds were her friends. Mm. And this is what I did the piece. And when I sold that piece and I wasn't, Really, I really was going to keep that piece for myself, but this lady came into my studio, and she um, she she bought the piece. She saw it and she said, "You know what?" She said, "I was not coming to buy any anything of this magnitude because it was a it was a pretty hefty uh, it was a large piece." And she said, "I came here to buy only a small piece, but 
you changed my mind. Wow. Because I told her the story about the piece. And she said, I need to have this in my life. And that piece, I look at it all the time because that piece is very, I mean, it's very important because it reminds me of a, of a, of a, of a time in my life that I had sadness and it was nature that brought me joy. Mm. The birds came and they, they gave me a sense of uh, peace and it grounded me in knowing that even though uh, things were difficult in my life, I had these little creatures to come and bring me joy. That's an awesome story, yo. Mm, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, so that makes that makes me think about um, the path that it took you for you to get to this point, this level of success. I mean, you have celebrities collecting your work, you know what I'm saying? You got the picture with Samuel hanging a piece up in his house. Um, mm, and so you, oh, so you can have, I tell you that story? Can yeah, let's go for it. Story? Go for it. Okay. I mean, that's a, it's an amazing story because I still can't believe the story. So uh, I did a live on IG and I was talking about, you know, my experience. And one of my collectors called me and said, you know, I want to tell you how I I heard about you because this woman bought 12 of my pieces. Oh, wow. I, you know, yeah. Yo, shout out like, to her. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Audrey. Uh, <laughs> so she bought she bought 12 of my pieces from Framed Art Gallery in Ohio. And she said, I just, you know, I was watching an interview with Samuel Jackson one night and he mentioned you. Wow. I said, what? <laughs> I said, how in the world? He said, well, they were talking about, you know, some what some of his passions. And he said one of his passions was artwork. And uh, he said that either he had some of your work or he wanted to collect your work. He said, I, I just don't remember. I said, well, I don't think he has any of my work because I said my galleries would have told me if, if he would have <laughs> yeah. bought from me. Yeah. I said, just like Denzel Washington bought my work and she, he bought it from Peg Austin's gallery. She called me immediately as, as soon as he left the gallery. Yeah. But I said, I don't know. So, you know, me being, I am fearless. I'm a fearless person. I said, okay, how am I going to find out how this man, if he has my work, or how did he find out about me? So I, I called my, my social media guy and I asked him, I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, why don't you go to IMB and contact his uh, agent? I said, I said, okay. I blew him off, and I said, that's just too much work. So I went to, his, I went to his, I, I went to Instagram, and I looked at his Instagram, and this man posts himself. He was in a barbershop, filming himself, walking down the street, filming himself. I said, so I sent him a DM, and in 24 hours, he sent, he 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 wrote me back. I said, <laughs> ain't that so? <laughs> I know. I said, I said, uh, Mr. Jackson. I said, my name is Avita Tizano. I said, I understand that you saw my work at uh, Denzel Washington's house. And I said, I, I said, it was told to me that you have some of my work or you admire my work. I said, I just want to confirm. He said, hey, he said, yes, I saw your work at, at, at the Washington's house. He said, I am an admirer. And he said, I don't have any of my work, but he said, it's going to change. I said, wow. So he started to follow me and then he started to comment on my page, right. on my work. And then, <laughs> then we started the conversation. Uh, he sent me a message and said that he wanted to buy his wife a gift for their 40th anniversary. Uh, I said, uh, he said, I posted a piece of a couple. He said he liked it. I said, well, you know, I have this other piece, which was a very large piece. I said, it's called, ain't no, I said, it's, it's called, uh, ain't no woman like the one I got. He said, oh, I like the OJs. I said, <laughs> I said, and so I sent him the image. He said, how can I buy it? I said, well, I'm going out of town. He told me, no, you're not going out of town in the midst of a, <laughs> a pandemic. I said, my ticket is bought. I'm going. I said, I'm going to be okay. I, I said, I'll call you when I get back. When I called him, damn. He sent me the check the next day, wow. and now it lives in his house. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. It's not blind. And now, I mean, we're friends. I mean, we text oh, each other all the time. <laughs> I mean, I am just kind of blown away. You That's know, awesome. I asked him how he's doing. I said, I'm coming to L.A. 
I mean, I treat him like he's a, 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 a partner. I said, I'm coming to LA. I said, I want you and your wife to come by the gallery. I said, can we see each other? You know, it's so cool. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> so, that's awesome, yo. That's awesome. Yeah. And, so, and I think about that story, um, the the joy of it, right? The experience of it, like compared to how long this journey is. Because I think when people see like you in this moment, you know, selling work and selling out shows, they don't see like the 30 years that you spent like doing all the other stuff. Yeah. Like what, what was kind of, what was in your opinion, kind of the lowest point that you got to, what did you have to do to get by just to be able to survive and get to this point? Man, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now because it was a journey for sure. Uh, I had to do a little bit of everything. I was a caregiver. Uh, I cared for an elderly uh, uh, white lawyer uh, attorney that uh he was in a car accident i cared for him i would do sketches on my downtime i i you know i was an administrative administrative worker and right before i i i quit it i was a chef I, I i'm a vegan so i've been a vegan for almost 30 years as well and i was a vegan chef for 15 years and i remember working 13 14 16 hours as a chef mm. And I, you know, right before I remember, I, I do this vegan brisket. It was, it's a tan. And my boss took the credit on national television that he created this. <laughs> and oh. I got so mad. Wow. I got really mad. And that's the same year that Denzel bought my work. And Denzel bought eight pieces of my work from Peg Austin's gallery. And it was a very nice check, payday. And I said, you know what? I said, I can blow this joint. I, <laughs> I don't have, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. So I, I quit. I, I didn't even give him a 30-day a, a name. I gave him a week notice. I emailed him and I said, I am quitting. I went to the restaurant and gave him, got him whatever supplies I had there. And I, and the next day I went and got a, uh, I think it was a seven, and, and that's the same studio I'm in now, a, a maybe a 800 foot studio. And I said, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to happen. And I never looked back for, since 2017, I've been doing our full time. Nice. Yeah, and I mean, I've had my low points, but I would never give up. I never, never. I have been wanting to do artwork ever since I was, uh, as they say, uh, uh, a little, a little tot. I always wanted to be an artist. I remember telling my family that I, I want to be an artist. I wanted to travel the world. I want everybody to buy my work, and I believed that that was going to happen, and. It just, it took me a while. It, it, it was a journey. Uh, I, I could remember a couple of years that I couldn't even do artwork because I was working all these different jobs. Mm. I had to move to Houston and work for a nonprofit. I had to do a lot of different things to make it happen. But I always came back to art. But now I don't have to do anything else, but I, I can do my passion. Yeah. And I, I think that's important for people to hear because, you know, it does get real tight sometimes. But but it, like you yes, said, you, when you stick to that, when you stick to what you when you commit it to it. Right. When you commit it and you know that this part of your life, at least, is something that you enjoy more than anything. Like you can't let it go. Like no matter what happens, like even if you do take some time off, you always come back to it and you always invest in that part because you never know what's what it can give you because ultimately if that's your blessing that you got that's your talent your your passion that your joy is going to get you something eventually and you just have to like be able to wade through it and sometimes it sometimes people hit it big you're jordan castile you you know 30 years old you can be on vogue or sometimes it takes a little while you know what i'm saying to to get where you need to go it does it does but the the main thing is to not to give up not to give up no matter what. And, you know, I remember I talked to uh, an art advisor one time and it was, this was several years ago. And I, I this is before I, 
I was introduced to Luis uh, De Jesus. I, and I told her, I said, uh, I want more. And she said, she, she, she kind of reprimanded me. She said, do you know how many artists die in obscurity, Evita? Mm. That they never, never get uh, known. She said, do you realize that you're selling your work? And I, you know, I think I had just quit my job. And this was back in 2017 or 2018. And I mean, I was, I was doing full time. I said, I just don't want to sell my work, though. I said, I want to leave a legacy behind. I said, I want to be in museums. I want to be written up in, in history books. And she told me, she said, well, Avita, you can't have everything. Mm. I said, I said, yes, I can. <laughs> That's right, Joe. Don't let her, she can't put limitations on your dream. No, I said, I said, yes, I can. I said, I can't have everything. And she said, well, she said, I'm just telling you, you need to be a realist. And I started to be bold and I started to just ask people. I started to just email people and ask people, can you know, can you be, can I be a part of the show or can I be included in this show? Uh, and what was the turning point was being in prison at um, at Art Basel. Nice, yeah. And I just, yeah, it was, I, I was selected uh, by M- Michaela. Yeah, Michaela Simon, yeah. Yes, yes. And I showed two pieces in, in that show. That was, uh, yeah, two years ago. And just to be at Art Basel and see the dynamics and everything, that made me really want it, really, you know. I said, okay, I'm not in the main, I'm not in one of the, you know, like, like uh, uh, the different uh, uh, other places, but I said, I am at Art Basel. I am showing. I, ha- I have my, my work in front of a different eyes. I said, I can reach for whatever I want. I said, nobody's going to cut me off or limit me. And then I started to ask people. I started to go up to people and talk to people. I uh, went up to different uh, uh, people that own different magazines. And I said, can you can you feature me in your magazine? And I got a lot of no's. But now those same people that told me no's, they're coming back. <laughs> they're coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming back and said, uh, I want to feature you in my magazine. I want to do this for you. I want to do it right up. It's happening now. There you go. So when you get the no's, don't look at the no's. Out of 100 no's, you're going to get one yes. But that one yes might be important. You know, it, yeah. it, it'll it fuel you to keep going. Yeah, the big yes. Yeah. I, yes, and I got a lot of no's. I got a lot of, you know, uh, what what what's this work you're doing? You know, I, I got a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? But I never gave up because I know that, that the work that I'm doing now was, was given to me by a divine hand. And I knew because it was a dream and how it, it just came about. So I wasn't going to give up. I was determined. And that's good. Good thing you didn't, you know, because <laughs> now, you, <laughs> now you're kind of at the spot you were now. Uh, quick, I'm a quick question about this one um, in terms of galleries. You mentioned uh, a few over the interview. How many, what has been your experience working with the galleries and like how many have you worked with over time? Mm, I've worked with a lot. Uh, I have... I, at one time, I was with five different galleries. At the and, same time, like giving them all mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, I had one in New York, one in Ohio, one in Georgia, one in Maryland, and I had a, a dealer in Philadelphia. So I had all of that at one time, and I slowly weeded them out till I, you know, cause it was just too much. It was too much. And uh, one thing that uh, Peg, Peg told me, he, she sat me down and she said, she said, honey, she said, you don't want your work to be oversaturated. Mm, yeah. You don't want to have your work at so many different places that, you know, they just could get your work everywhere. And I listened to her. I mean, she's a wise lady. She's been in the business for 50 years to say the least. And she's very, very wise. So I, I listened to her and I said, okay. I said, I'm going to start cutting down. And once 
you know, my prices have started to escalate. Uh, uh, I won't say escalate, but yeah, started to to increase over the years. I was able not to have to sell so much work to make a living. Uh, so I started to cut back on galleries. And now I am in only two now. Uh, I have uh, East Coast representation with Just Looking. And I, I will never let her go. She was my first gallery. Eileen Berger. That took Eileen Berger. Yeah. I love her. She, <laughs> I was at, I was at, um, what's that? Oh, goodness. Red Cross. What's the Red Cross guy named? Uh, Temple University. She he, October Gallery. Okay. October yeah. Gallery show back in the day. I had a booth there. Frank 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 Frazier and I uh, used to load up in a van with a bunch of guys, and we used to travel all over the country. This was back in the nineties, and so I was at October Gallery, and Eileen and her 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 late husband came into my booth and said, "Oh, this is interesting work." He said, would you be interested in showing? And I had never shown in the gallery before. I was so excited. And I said, yes. <laughs> and till this day, I'm still with her. From 1999 is when I sent her my first word. Wow. And I'm still with her to, the, to this day. That's all and right. I told, I, told, I told the gallery, I told Louise, I said, I'm, I'm not going to ever let her go. I said, I can't. I said, I have to have loyalty to her because she gave me a chance when nobody else would. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, and I, that's just, I just love her as a person. She's honest. She's kind. She's, she's just, a, she's a, she's a wonderful a human being. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she, I just have to have her in my life. Yeah. She can talk too. I love, I love she talking to her. Talk. We talk, <laughs> yeah, so, yes. That was a long conversation when I talked to her. Cause she's she's yeah. a big printmaking fan. Have she ever sold any of your printmaking work? I've seen you you've done a, a she, few prints. Yeah, she she is the exclusive dealer for my print for my prints. Nice. She sells all of my prints. Yeah, my woodcuts and my coleographs. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. And so, as you pare it down, do you think that you've been able to, or do you think you've had a revelation about the quality and texture of your work? Does that make sense? Like instead of putting it, all your energy you know to a lot of pieces where you make yes. one piece like super textured and, and layered and all that kind of stuff. Believe it or not, I, I've noticed that. I really have noticed that. Uh, I feel that the, the large scale work and then not producing as many pieces as I usually had to. Because uh, I produce a lot of work. I'm not going to say how many I did because some people know. But I did a lot, <laughs> uh, and I I cut that in half. I I'm maybe even a, I would say maybe a third, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, I don't have to produce as many, uh, but I noticed that I have I can spend more time with textures and developing uh, uh, a a more intricacy in my work that I don't have to produce so many pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I could spend more time. They become a labor of love. There you go. Yeah. And I, that's when yeah. you get the best results right there. I love it, Joe. Yes. I love yes, it. So now yes. we're coming to the end of our interview. This is great talking to you. Um, yeah. What's, what's next? What do you have planned? What are you working on right now? What do you have planned coming up? Well, I have a solo, another solo show, which is going to be in there in Luis de Jesus Gallery um, next year. And they're telling me that they just recently uh, got this, acquired this space and it's 4,000 square feet. So my next show is going to be there next year. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm developing the, the, the whole series for that show. But uh, I have a show at Eileen's coming up in July and just looking. So that's, uh, that's what I'm working on this year. And that'll close out my year for shows i'm not gonna have another show after that but i I am gonna have another i I forgot about this i had i just had a show at the plano arts center and and all the pieces plus a couple of more pieces are going to a uh a gallery in uh carrollton it's called masani house i have that's coming up in june i have eileen's show in july 
And then after that, I'm going to start working on my show for Louise for next year. Oh, wow. If they can give you that much time, it's going to be pretty incredible, like whatever you come yeah. up with. Well, they told me that I'm going to need about 20 pieces, and they want them huge. Oh, yeah. They there said, oh, Vita, she <laughs> said, we want something that, that's eight feet. I oh, said, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All okay. right, we're talking, we talking real math now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's up there. So for, for an order from me, I, I, I'm going to have to even move from, because uh, the studio that I have will not accommodate me doing 20 pieces large scale. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to be looking for another studio as well. Oh man. So in the midst of, yeah, um, the midst of all of that, that's why I need a lot of time because I'm going to have to move my studio. I'm going to have to find the studio and then I'm going to have to get all of this material. I have to make paper bigger than I've ever made before. Yeah, that was, have to that, paint that, paper. That, that actually was going to be my question in in mm-hmm. terms of making it something that size. I mean, if you you're talking about doing a piece that's thirty by forty, um, you know, how many rolls of of texture do you have to make to cover like an eight foot piece? Like I that. don't know. I have no idea. I've never <laughs> done anything before. But you know what? I'm not scared of a challenge. No, don't be scared. This is this is <laughs> this is great. This is the fun stuff. This is where you got yeah, you really got to push the I, limits. I'm so excited. I know, you know, I know that I'm going to have to at least get somebody to help me to do this because I've never worked that large before. Yeah. But I I am excited about the challenge because once I did the 40 48 by 48, I've never worked that big before and I had to kind of work out all the experiences, you know, uh, not the experiences, but the technical, the, the technical stuff on how I'm gonna do this, how you know, yeah. how I'm going to adhere it to the canvas, uh, and how I'm gonna seal it. So I worked all that out, but now working larger and then working even larger, and I think that I'm gonna work on panel because I think it's gonna be a little, you know, more stable yeah. of working that big and and getting getting a panel a, a panel canvas made. Uh, to work that big, so I'm I'm just gonna have to work it out. Oh man, if it's, you, if it's you, gonna be a, a credible <laughs> challenge, though. Yeah, if you're doing some stuff, you need somebody to to come help you with some printmaking. Uh, you know, you call your boy. I come down there. I, I head down to Texas for a little while, help you make some stuff. Oh yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a good time. Yeah. I, I can imagine us uh, sitting together trying to make uh, you know a hundred foot roll <laughs> texture <laughs> with some printmaking techniques. It'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what's up. Be crazy. That's what's yes. up. Man. I love I just it. Have to, well, I just come to Atlanta too. Oh yeah. Know? Either way, you're always invited. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you, you're a Studio Noise fam now, so it's all good, Joe. We got to keep up oh, with you. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. And I just have to tell you, I I have been a fan of your work. Love what you're doing. Love what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It's always good to to see somebody that can see you. You know what I mean? Like yes. you get appreciation for what you do. So I I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. So tell tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on IG. Uh, it's E V I T A T E Z E N O, and then you know you can find me on the World Wide Web. Uh, on my uh, my uh, web page is avidatizano.com, and uh, I do also have a Facebook page. It's uh, Avita Tizano Fine Art. That's what's up, yo. You got to keep up with her. You better get her while you can. <laughs> She's going mm-hmm. large. She's going to have some and, more stuff for y'all. Yeah, and you can find me at Louise De Jesus Gallery, and you can also find me at uh, Just Looking Gallery in Hagerstown, Maryland. That's what's up, yo. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You beat it to Tizano. Te- <laughs> I've been Jeez, saying, no, you I've been saying it, your name you wrong it. this whole time. <laughs> I'm sorry. No problem. Yeah, now you got it. Now yeah. you got it. <laughs> That's what's up, yo. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Okay, you have a great day. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big thank you to Evita Tizano <laughs> for coming on the podcast, sharing her inspiration with us. Man, I'm charged up. I'm ready to go, man. All my artists out there, I hope y'all ready. I bring y'all this inspiration. All you got to do, all you got to do is get in that studio and make some noise. Next week, I'll be right back with you with the one and only Mr. Juan Logan. 
on the podcast. I'm going to check y'all out then. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.